Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We'll be in the book of Acts, chapter 2. You can There are Bibles under many of the chairs if you want to look it up there. Or maybe you brought your own Bible or you can use your phone. I'll begin with a childhood story. Me in the second grade... I couldn't readily find a picture of me in the second grade, so I just picked a random second grader to put up on the screen. There you go, second grade, just to remind us what second grade kind of is like. Uh, so here's, what was hap- here's one thing that happened to me in second grade. I had to transition from Village Woods Elementary School to Hoagland Elementary School. And I remember, I'm guessing that the transition happened in November because I know that classes had already started at the new school. So the other kids had already become acclimated to their classes and stuff. I also know that when, when I was going to the school in town, it was a walk to school. It was a little community school. And so I would just walk to school with friends. Then we transitioned and lived more in the country, and I was, had to get bused to school. So that was a big deal, because I had to figure out how to get on the bus, and then we went to one school where we had to transfer to another bus so that I could get to the elementary school. All that to say, it was kind of a big, that's probably why I remember it, it was kind of a big deal for a little dude in the second grade. I don't know if you can feel it, but I can still remember, oh, I got to school, and, and I had to go to the principal's office first, not because I did anything wrong yet. I did visit there one time, but I won't talk about that. Um, and so even that day, class had already started, and then someone walked me to Mrs. Deal's class. And so all the kids are already in their chair, and I had to walk in and get in my chair. So can you feel the potential stress level in a second grader as I sat there. By the way, if we went to that classroom now, I could probably show you, because it's still kind of burned into my memory, the chair I was sitting in. It was that kind of an an intense moment. And then it happened. To my right, Sheldon Ennerline, while probably Mrs. Deal was teaching something, he he said, he, he got my attention. He went, psst. And I'm like, He said, hi, my name is Sheldon. I love you. (laughs) We just met, right? And I don't know if you can get the sense of what I felt at the time, but that was so helpful to me. My anxiety anxiety level went from a 10 all the way down to a 9.5. Right, went down farther than that. It opened a door to someone that I could ask questions to, like really important questions like, where's the bathroom? It also opened the door to a peer group so that when recess came, I could like follow Sheldon and figure out what Sheldon was going to do. And so then we ended up, you know, so I could go right straight and we played soccer on recess back then. It was just... I mean, you, you could argue Sheldon, Sheldon's words were life-changing. If it weren't for Sheldon, I'm sure my life would have spiraled down 
into deep depression, drugs, and violent gang crime there at Hoagland Elementary School. Okay, probably not that. But it was really helpful. And I use that to introduce the idea that I think we'll all agree on. There is power. This will be on the screen. There is power. There is power in the right words at the right time. Agreed? Amen? Right? Most of us have experienced this. When we needed some encouragement and someone said the right thing at the right time and they said, you're really good at that. And it has affected our life or some emotional boost we needed and somebody, you know, said, you're going to get through this. And you're like, we, I will? And they're like, yeah. Or they offered friendship verbally. They came to you and, and spiritually they said something that was just the right Bible verse maybe or just the right challenge. Sometimes people can say the right thing at the right time and it comes in form of a challenge. Like they'll say, buck up, buster. And it's the right thing at the right time. There's a lot of power in the right words at the right time. Proverbs 25.11 says, Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken at the proper time. Proverbs 12.18 says, The tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18.21 the tongue has the power of life and death. Most of us have experienced some of the power of death from the tongue when someone said the wrong words at the wrong time. We're not talking about that today. We're going to talk about the tongue has the power for life and to bring life to us. I also found a quote in the midst of my study that it may not be great, but I just liked it. And it, the quote is, the human voice is the perfect instrument of all. And I would say, oh, it can be when we say the right thing at the right time. Hold that thought. We're in a series called Audacity, Bold Acts of the Early Church. And today we're going to study a guy named Peter who I would argue says the right thing at the right time. And, it's, and it begins a powerful moment, not just a powerful moment, but a really kind of a powerful movement in the church. So it's in Acts chapter 2. Here's what's been going on. Jesus has come, he did phenomenal ministry, then he died on a cross and he rose from the grave, then he took 40 days to show himself to people to convince the world that he had indeed had risen from the grave. Then he tells the disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until I send my, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, there and it's going to come in power and then ministry is going to continue. We, for the last two weeks, we talked kind of about that season of waiting and in Acts chapter 2, the day comes where the power of God is going to come. And it looks something like this. Uh, it, it comes in the form of a really powerful wind. Then the followers of Jesus can speak multiple language, even though they never studied them. And so they end up talking about God, declaring the praises of God in multiple languages in the midst of a big crowd of people, probably tens of thousands of people, 
And for those watching, it's at least a little confusing. Like, what's the deal with the wind? And what's the deal with this speaking in tongues in different languages? And so they're actually asking a question in verse 12. It describes the crowd as amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Okay, so the stage is set for Peter to say the right thing at the right time. Picking it up in verse 14, here's what happens. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Some of them thought they were all just drunk early in the morning. That's why this weird language, they were acting goofy. No, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He talks a little bit more about what the manifestation of the spirit looks like in those days. And then he finishes this section of his talk in verse 21, where he says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you jump to the end of the story, because of what Peter shares, people do get saved. They come to faith in Jesus, and about 3,000 people, it says, uh, responded to his words. That's a pretty big impact. So the title of the talk this weekend is The Voice of a Movement. And what we're going to uh, explore is two characteristics of Peter's voice that make his voice powerful, right? So before we get these things, I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Have you ever been in front of a bunch of people and you think you're, this does not happen very often. It's going away. It's going away. I've been doing this stuff for years and years. Never had this happen. I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe if we just go, hey, God bless you, thanks, then we'll pretend it already happened. Okay, so here's the idea with this how do you make your voice powerful thing. Will you, will you pause and think about some people that you will likely interact with this week? Friends, neighbors, acquaintances, people at work. Wouldn't it be great if, because of our time today, we knew how to step into a moment and say, the right thing at that right time, or maybe like we would just have more courage to say something that could potentially be life-changing. That's the idea, because these two things we're going to talk about. For many of us, we're followers of Jesus. We're going to emphasize some spiritual things, but even if you just want to be a helpful person, this kind of thing can make you more of a helpful person. How many of you would like to be a little helpful to somebody at some point in your life? 
And if you don't want to be just lie, because you're in church, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. Okay, yeah, this, that was helpful. It's a really, okay. So wouldn't it be good? So these things will make us more helpful. And especially if we're followers of Jesus, can really bring a lot of power into somebody's life. I'll pray now, and then I'll give you some stuff. Father, help us. Help us be, I'd like to be helpful. And a lot of us would. So talk to us in such a way that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two things. Two things. The first thing is this. A powerful voice works to explain things. That's a fill in the blank. Explain things. If you're at home, you might want to find some paper and write a few things down. Explain things. Peter stands up, addresses the crowd, fellow Jews, all of you who are listening in Jerusalem. Arguably the first movement, direction in his talk is, I want to explain something to you. Remember, the wind has come and the languages are being spoken. So people really have a valid question like, I'm not sure what's going on. And so Peter is going to be helpful in explaining. Now, one thing that I noticed as I studied this text in the Word, this word here for explain, it looks like this in the original language, and it includes not just information. In fact, as I looked at the Word, it wasn't primarily about, I'm going to give you information. It was deeply connected to, I'm going to give you information that will help you experience what's happening. Do you see the difference there? It's not just a distance. Hey, I'll just stand over here and I'll tell you what's going on and we'll be good. There's more of a desire to move people to a place of experience. <clears throat> I'll illustrate it, illustrate it real quickly. A couple years ago, I was at a, a dinner gathering, a fundraiser type thing. And uh, one of my friends saw across the room somebody that was going to run for mayor in the city. I don't remember who it was. But they said, my friend who knew them said to me, hey, I want to introduce you to, let's call him Jack. Now, and so what she did was she came to me and said, I want to introduce you to. And then she walked me to Jack and made, you put out, she didn't have to tell me, put out your hand, Mark. And put, but there was this more of a, I want you to, to connect and not just, hey, I'm going to stand over here and say, hey, Mark, that guy over there is running for mayor, which would have given me information but it would have kept me at a distance. Does that make sense? The word here in the original language, explain, includes this, I'm going to take you to a place so that you can experience what we're talking about. So here's the fill in the blank. When Peter stood up to explain, his desire had to do with experiencing. I just dribbled my coffee on my face. I'm really struggling here. I'm going to sneeze. I've forgotten how to drink coffee. (laughs) 
the one Peter stood up to explain his desire had to do with experiencing. Now, I think my take on this is a lot of this has to do with our heart issue in do we really care about people or do we just want to talk at people? Does that make sense? Peter didn't just want them to know what's going on. He wanted them to benefit. Hey, see if you can catch this. He wanted them to benefit from this incredible opportunity that was right there to get in on what God was doing. By the way, I see this in Jesus. Let me give you a verse. John 8, 32. Jesus is saying, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I would argue that Jesus' motivation for, then I'm going to tell you the truth, was not just so that you could get the truth. It was because if you get the truth, the results will be your freedom, and I care about that. Does you see that that's a deeper thing? It's about caring for people. And so we take the time to explain things, knowing that explanations, if we can move them to a place, it will help, it will help them. This prompted a question for me. Because I think sometimes, well, I'll just ask you the question. Do I use my voice to be right or to be helpful? And I'd invite you to go to the deeper place. Like being right and telling the truth, that like, that's helpful. You want to go deeper? You want to be more like Jesus? Include in that is my motivation to be helpful. One more thing before we move on from this point. My experience is trying to be helpful takes more work. If you just want to spout off some truth or just say some things, that doesn't take as much truth as coming alongside them and trying to help them experience something, being patient. If you read Peter's entire talk here, by, by the way, we just read about a fourth of it, I think he put in some verbal work to try to help explain this to them. Here's, here's what he does, and you can read this on your own. But he talks a little bit, and then he shares some scripture. Some scripture. Scripture. And then he makes some comments, and then he shares some more scripture. And then he talks some more, and then he shares some scripture. And then he talks some more. He goes from talking a little bit, and then going to the Bible, and then he talks a little bit, and then he says, now here's some verses that apply, and then he talks some more, and then he talks a little bit more, and then if you get to the end of what's written about his message, it says this in verse 40, met with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. We do not know how long he worked at explaining to them, here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Let me illustrate. Here's some Bible. Here's what's going on. Here's some illustrate. Here's some Bible. Here's some, can I help you? This is, does that make sense? He's working at it because he cares. Just aside, we will spend uh, a lot of time in our lives working at explaining some things that don't matter near as much as the gospel or God or the Bible. 
Parents, how much have you tried to work really hard at explaining algebra to your children? Remember that labor? Right? No? Did you just give up? Oh, you're just one of the parents that gave up. I don't know. YouTube it. No. I remember taking the time with my kids, and they would say, what's well, X, X, B minus 4 times the Pythagorean theorem across from J? I'd be like, oh. And then I would, right? I would actually, yeah, there were sometimes I would tell my children, go in the other room while I study, and I would study, and I'd have to read the whole chapter. Okay, okay, I kind of remember that, and then, and then I would, okay, and then I would say, okay, come here. And then I would be help, helpful. This, I would really work at algebra, which no one uses after high school. How many people in the room use algebra right now in their life? One, God bless you. You're the only, two, three, there's three, four, five. You're it. Five of you, baby. But the rest of us, algebra. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, I'm on a tangent here about algebra. I think I have bitterness in my heart about algebra. But that doesn't matter near as much as like the kingdom of God and Jesus and trying to be helpful to people. So we should work at that. We work at other things that we probably ought not to work that much, right? We try, we, we try, we try to fall apart. We try to persuade someone with, because of some political persuasion that we're at, right? And so we'll work really hard and say, well, if you were really informed, then you would be. And so we'll like work hard and we'll do this and we'll work hard because try to get, we'll work. People will work tires, tirelessly on our diets and say, really seriously, I can't believe you have to. You have to start eating kale, right? Have you not heard? You guys, have you not heard? You have to. And then they'll say, well, let me send you four articles on kale and other horribly ta horrible tasting food. You have to eat this. Have you not been part of these? Some of you are like, hey, man, don't be messing with my kale. I'm like, Just. so we spend all this time working at so many things sometimes. And by the way, the, the, the challenge today is not to, I don't know what you do with all that stuff. But you know what would be better? Let's work at helping people, trying to explain some stuff about God, help them know the Bible, care enough to interject. Does that make sense? So, oh, my pastoral plea will come up on the screen. I don't think we said this yet. With wor The world needs more Christians who will do verbal work to help people understand God. That's the challenge there. Let's keep trying. Those of you who are doing it, those of you that are not, do something eternal with your life. Try to help some people understand God. So that was point number one. A powerful voice works to explain things. Number two, powerful voice promotes God early in the conversation. We're going to look at the fact that Peter did not take long before he interjected something about a prophet Joel or the Bible. He started to talk about God early in his talk. Before we do that, we're going to show a little video of a young lady in the church named Marley. 
And Marley has been figuring out how to interject more of God into her school. So watch this story about Marley. I'm Marley Jordan. I'm in eighth grade. I'm a student here at the Vineyard, and I've been following Jesus for about three years. I consider being audacious, being bold, and stepping out of your comfort zone, and being able to do things that you necessarily don't want to do, but out of passion and like just being fearless, you do it anyway. So when I first stepped into faith, my first really audacious thing was when I first got into middle school, um, I really felt a calling that there was like, there needed to be more love in Jesus in my school. And one weekend when I was attending core class, Cameron had mentioned his like challenge for the week to be do something and step out of your comfort zone. So when I went to my school, I had talked to my counselor and I decided to join and to form a little group at my school. So during lunches, instead of going to the cafeteria, we would meet in one of the counseling rooms and I would talk about Jesus and try to show his love to people around me. When you're living audacious for God, when you accept him, you learn that like there's things that you need to do whether it be helping people or praying aloud. And those things can be scary at first, but when you believe in Jesus, you, you take that step, even though it may be scary. Yeah. Way to go, Marley. Look, she's right over there. Stand up, stand up, stand up. That's her. First on the screen, yay. So she's figuring out how to inter interject Jesus into the conversation at school. What I noticed from our text, let's go back to it. Verse 14, Peter stands up. He raises his voice. He says, I want to explain this to you. These people are not drunk, as you supposed. It's only nine in the morning. By the fourth-ish sentence, he interjects something about God. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He is shifting the conversation to something biblical, spiritual. So here's where we're heading with this last point. You can write something down here. Peter didn't hesitate to pull the spiritual trigger. I notice things like he went to the spiritual things even before he introduced himself. He never stands up and says, hi, my name's Peter. These are my friends. He doesn't chit-chat about the weather, which, by the way, might be okay. He doesn't have an introductory joke for his sermon. He just kind of gets into the middle of things. And if we're going to have a powerful voice... I would submit to you that, the, that for some, if not most of us, the tendency is we wait too long to interject something about God in our everyday conversations. Now, some people don't struggle with this, but I think a lot of us, we probably wait too long. So the simple challenge from this point is get some God stuff into our conversation. Um, by the way, 
I've been challenged with this. This really shouldn't be that hard. I think the enemy fights against this. It shouldn't be that hard because we are in love with God, right? Oh, wait, are we? <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be in love with Jesus. He saved, he died on the cross for my sin and saved my soul, and I loved Jesus. And it should be fairly natural that because of my deep love for him, that I would, he would come up in my conversation. Let me try to illustrate my wife, Denise, uh, who am I? I'm in a covenant relationship with her. Because of that covenant relationship, we live together, by the way. Did you guys know that? Yeah, I live with my wife. We do things together. This afternoon we'll be together. And so it ought to be fairly natural for me if I engage in conversation with other people. If you talk to me very long, I'm going to talk about my wife because I'm in a covenant relationship with her. The only other covenant relationship I have you guys, is with Jesus Christ. And in that covenant relationship, it ought to be vibrant enough that I would bring it, it would, I would, I would bring it up in my conversation with people because I'm in a covenant relationship. I am connected from now forever to him. It ought to come up. By the way, how you bring up Jesus Christ and God and, and all those things, I don't know that I know how, I know I don't know how to do it perfectly, but, you know, Peter starts with sharing a Bible verse. So maybe you just, you're in a conversation and it reminds you of a Bible verse and you say it. Or it reminds you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm a Christian and, I, and I'll pray for you. Or maybe you say something about God. Or, or I would encourage you every once in a while to drop, some, one person described it as, you drop the J word. Talk about Jesus. There's something different and more powerful when you talk about Jesus than just talking about God. Jesus brings clarity to, to, to the conversation. Did you know that? Something different about the name of Jesus than other things. So just figure it out. Give it a shot. Bring it up early. Something about Jesus, God, church, and the hope here, one of the hopes is, no. My assumption is that you can count on this. God in heaven right now in your sphere of influence, he has got people on his radar that he's trying to woo into a relationship with himself. But he's looking for someone who's got some vocal cords, you, me, to bring up something so that that person will know, oh wait, I might be able to talk to this guy about God. Is that, am I making any sense at all? That's what this does. How, I wonder how many people when Peter stood up and he began to, to preach and to talk, whether there were some people who didn't even get saved at the end of the, his sermon, later that day went, I want to talk to that guy. Because he said something about God, he said something about Jesus, and I'm curious, and I want to know more. There's another verse here, we're about ready to close, another verse that challenged me. Luke 9, this is just, boy, this is kind of a punch in the spiritual face. Whenever I get shy about talking about God or Jesus, it says, by the way, Jesus said this. He said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. So there's quite an assignment there. Take this seriously. 
All right. Last fill in the blank. It's the challenge for this week, besides the fast for 36 hours. Interject God early this week. Think about your week. Think about some of the people that you've talked with, that you will talk with. And you know what? Say something about Jesus. Who knows what, how God might use us? Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.